here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. Break it down. It's the king. Oh, you didn't know? Stand back. I'm a Masita. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Eat me. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Music of the Mat, a podcast devoted exclusively to the music of professional wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm the barbarian Andrew Rich. And joining me on this muscular mystery tour is my partner, the Scorelord, Chris Maffei. And together we are your hosts, the Power Chords of Pain. Chris, before we get to today's topic, I think we should take a moment to thank everyone who listened to our debut episode and sent us such nice feedback. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, such, such kind words. So thank you to everyone, all the listeners who uh, tweeted at us and said such nice things. So for me... Thank you. Let me tell you something. We got some tremendous feedback from episode one. And I mean, I don't know what you were expecting, Andrew, but I wasn't expecting the kind of uh, outpouring of just people enjoying the show so much. I mean, from all angles, we were getting people saying that they enjoyed it and they related to some of the things that we were talking about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, my heartfelt thank you to everyone who who took the time to listen. I mean, we certainly, uh, you know, we, we didn't make it a brief listen by any means. No, no, it was not. <laughs> and we're going to try to do our best with this episode. Yeah, well, we'll try. We'll just say that we'll try because this episode we're doing right now, this is quite a big one to start off with in terms of our, our first real main episode of, of the podcast. Starting this thing off, we're doing a real a real legend in pro wrestling. He's my all-time favorite wrestler ever since I became a wrestling fan. We're doing the theme history of The Undertaker. What does The Undertaker mean to you? That's interesting because when I first got into wrestling, this was around like 97, early 98, and my entire wrestling world was based around Steve Austin as I'm sure many other people can probably relate to if you got into wrestling at that time or you're just a fan at that time. It was all Austin. Everything was Austin. But I also remember that before I was even a wrestling fan, before I I knew what the WWF was, I remember one of my first memories that has anything to do with wrestling is my dad like pulling me aside one day. I had to be like maybe five years old. My dad pulling me aside and saying, hey, look at the TV. That's The Undertaker. And it was it had to be like superstars on a Saturday morning, and I was just like, "Whoa, what what is this?" But I I didn't start watching wrestling from that point. But I always remember that exact moment. I th- I think they call that like a flashbulb moment or something like that, 
And I always remember that exact moment as the first time I ever saw wrestling, and it was The Undertaker. And I remember getting into wrestling and recognizing The Undertaker, although he looked a lot different. I was like, holy shit, that's the same guy. My first uh, memories of Undertaker, SmackDown 2003, and this was towards the tail end of Biker Taker. I had never seen, you know, Phenom, Deadman, Undertaker with the the, the bell and the, the black robes and all that stuff, the, the magical powers. To me, he was, at the start, just this badass on a bike who would come out and just beat the shit out of people. You know, he beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar, he beat the shit out of the FBI, he beat the shit out of Kurt Angle, he beat the shit out of every SmackDown guy, John Cena, you know, A-Train, all those guys. He was just this, this crazy maniac looking guy on a bike. And I was in awe of him, especially because I think part of it was a guy his size. You look at a guy like his size, you don't think of him as like this agile guy who's like walking the ropes doing old school or doing that plancha over the top rope that he does. You don't think about that when you see a guy like him, but when he does that, you know, your, your jaw drops. And that really was a big part of The Undertaker to me, you know, seeing him move, seeing him wrestle. And when he became the Dead Man Undertaker again at like WrestleMania 20, after Kane buried him alive again, when he came back as the Phenom, that just engrossed me and I made it even more as because he just got this this mystical way about him, this real presence, even more of a presence to him, with the the lights and the darkness and the the bell and the druids and the, and the music. So let's get into it, Chris. We got a lot to get to, man. There's so much music. There is so much music to The Undertaker, guys. I don't think you, you, you really realize it until you actually like write it out. My God, this guy, the amount of music that has been made surrounding this man is absolutely astounding. And we tracked it all down, I think, I hope. And we're going to include I, I it all. So, yeah. we're, uh, hopefully, we're going to do a halfway decent job of kind of weaving it all in to one digestible episode. There's a lot. And we could, believe me, we could get super totally outrageously geeky and into the the most minute of details we could do like three hours easily on like the first three themes there's so much to it and like it's not just the themes there's like there's so much variations to them like so many alternate themes and chris let's get into it uh the first one here we'll just mention these uh not as much as in detail as the rest because we don't get to the main the main meat of the episode we're starting off with Mean Mark Callis' theme. We're starting off with pre-WWE Undertaker. Starting off with Badlands by Bullet Boys. Bullet Boys, one of the glam metal bands of the 80s. A little bit more under the radar, a Smooth Up Binya was their, their sort of hit, I guess you'd say. And it's a standard 80s glam metal song, nothing amazing, but not terrible either. So that's the first instance that we know of The Undertaker having a theme song. Yeah, so this was used when he was in the USWA as Mean Mark Callis. And at this point, I mean, he's just a gigantic ginger man. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, there, there's no big pomp and circumstance. There's no bells and thunder, so to speak. It's just, you know, it's some pretty solid mid-80s Dokken-esque glam metal mm-hmm. uh and i you know i do have to say this vocalist is uh is pretty awesome i i had never heard this song before never heard of the bullet boys but uh i, I mean i listen i i got into this this is this, this is a pretty decent theme for a young wrestler at this time in the business to be coming out to i mean probably 
very par for the course, but I mean, you figure he used this from around September 89 to December 89, so a little run that he had there. This was released on their self-titled 1988 album entitled Bullet Boys. So getting real creative there with some with some song titles, uh, with some album titles. But what are you going to do? It's it's some pretty standard glam metal. Not too much to say. Not too much to say about this era of The Undertaker either. But what we do have a lot to say, relatively speaking, of course, is this next theme, China White by Scorpions. Woo! Oh, baby, that drum and bass riff. Jesus Christ. You talk about iconic. This is the same, if you pay attention, this is the same drum and bass riff that he used for the Dead Man Walking and You're Gonna Pay themes later on in his career. And this was the same drum and bass riff that was used as the basis for Sabu's Hookah Blues and for Bully Ray's The Beaten Path theme when he was in TNA. To name a few, of course. Yeah, and, and also I believe Sid came out to either this or a ripoff of this. Not entirely sure. This is just a classic, a classic Scorpion song that many wrestlers have either directly used or had a theme based on, such as the ones you just mentioned. And yeah, and Taker himself, yeah, like you said, with the, the drums that come back in Dead Man and You're Gonna Pay, that's absolutely a, a, a China White groove that it that it's recalling. But this intro here with the with the drums and the bass it's just instantly recognizable like even if you don't know what song this is you know this song or you've heard one of the themes that have recalled this song and honestly it's a really really good theme for a big man to be coming out to it's very imposing with that that beat and it's the perfect song it just makes you feel like a badass Whenever you're, whenever, wherever you are, you know, you put that on like Babies Are Us and you feel like a badass just walking around. But, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, is this, are you doing this often or is, what, what's going on there? Yeah, I have days off, Chris. I need to entertain myself sometimes. But uh, moving on now to Southern Rock and Heavenly Thunder, two final WCW themes. Southern Rock is a bit generic, very generic hard rock instrumental. Heavenly Thunder, a bit more heavy metal, a bit more exciting. Heavenly Thunder, the vibe I get from this is that, first of all, I love this song. I think it rules. Production-wise, it sounds like something on uh, an early King Diamond album. Really, especially the drums, really get that vibe from it has some great lead guitar work. And we only had a brief clip of this, unfortunately, because, listen, I would have been listening to this thing all day, but it was only, like, 50 seconds or so. But this is, I think this is a tremendous 90s instrumental theme. I, I want to walk around to this theme. I want this to be my theme, you know? I want to walk around to this. I, I think that's the sign of a great theme to me, is would I enter a room to this and feel like the baddest motherfucker of all time? If the answer is yes, then I think is it, it is an effective theme. And I think this is a very effective theme. Now, Southern Rock, to, to, to backtrack here, now he was using this as part of the new skyscrapers with Dan Spivey from February 1990 to about June 1990. This song has that really recognizable late 80s, early 90s generic 
production music snare. You know, if you're you're watching TV at at that time, you're hearing this all over. You're hearing it in commercials. You're hearing it in the theme songs of shows. You're hearing it in movies. You're hearing it everywhere. It just has that that drum sound, that snare sound that instantly dates it. And I do think a lot of what we'll find when we're looking back at some nostalgic themes is that drums can really date a song mm-hmm. keyboards keyboard patches can also really date a song those are the two things that jump out to me as things that as the eras turn and as production styles change and equipment develops and evolves and things change on that front that's one of those things that you can just you instantly hear something and oh well, there's an 80s song there's a 90s song this, this is from the 70s so I think this is a just one of one of many dated late 80s early 90s sounding generic production themes that we are going to encounter i had an awful lot more to say about southern rock than i really thought i would let's move on shall we uh to one last pre-wwe theme and it's another big one miracle man by ozzy osbourne used this for three weeks in New Japan when he was known as Punisher Dice Morgan. And it's something I noticed actually, I was reading the Undertaker's Wikipedia page, uh, Jim Ross describing Mean Mark Callis said he had a fondness for pet snakes and the music of Ozzy Osbourne. So a little continuity there between gimmicks there. Listen, Miracle Man, it's a kick-ass rock song. It's it's Ozzy Osbourne. You got the Zach Wilde guitars. Yeah, this is, this is classic Ozzy with Zach Wilde on guitar. Uh, this is off of Ozzy's 1988 No Rest for the Wicked album. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of this album, but I think this song rules. I love that little talk box on the chorus. Miracle Man. Miracle Man. Yeah, love that. Love that. I just think this is a tremendous song. Maybe a little bit of lyrical foreshadowing going on in this I noticed, song. Yeah, yeah. There's a line, a devil with a crucifix, brimstone, and fire. Oh, so maybe a, little, maybe a little seed planted there. Religious overtones there, you know foreshadowing definitely i do do want to make mention that if punisher dies morgan is indeed in the market for miracle man might i suggest mike miracle the bennett guy or miracle the mike bennett whichever whichever variation you want to want to go off of whichever pope commentary butchering of mike bennett's name you want to go off of might i suggest him because uh, that that i mean he should be coming out to this song Mike Miracle the Bennett guy should be coming out to Miracle Man. Maybe if, if Billy Corgan was still in TNA, he could get the pole somehow for Ozzy, but not now, unfortunately. It, the, that, that ship has sailed for Miracle Mike Bennett guy. Yeah. You, you know, I, I, I want Punisher Dice Morgan. I, I want that to be Joe Lanz's new, like, anonymous Tinder name. <laughs> you know, S- Sal Milano, you know, he's had a good run with that. Punisher Dice Morgan. Yeah. See how that works for him. We'll see. We'll see. All right, so that was pre-WWE themes. We're getting right now to the, the real meat of the episode here. We divided into uh, four clusters here, four different eras of The Undertaker. We're starting with cluster number one, the classic phenom Undertaker era. Number one, The Funeral Dirge by Jim Johnston.
this is the one that started it all. Survivor Series 1990. It's just, you know, the, the Chopin's funeral march done on a, a church organ. You know, it's, it's very bare bones, but I gotta say, it is haunting to listen to this. It's bone chilling because it has that classic silent film, silent horror film sound to it, in my opinion. It, this could work for like Nosferatu or Family of the Opera. If you listen to the Undertaker from the Vault album collection, they have the, uh, the broadcast version from Survivor Series. From Death Valley, I give you The Undertaker! <laughs> Right away, you hear Roddy Piper with the line of the century. Look at the size of that ham hock. Check out those drumsticks, baby. I mean, it just it just makes me laugh so much hearing that over the Undertaker's theme. Chris, I know you had a good laugh about it, too. You, I think you were, like, thinking about it all day, right? I've been saying that all week to myself. Look at the size of that ham Sounds like he's about to do X-Pac's theme. <laughs> X-Pac! <laughs> or, or make some noise, I'm sorry, as we as we uncovered. I didn't yeah. know that that was such a sore subject for a lot of people. A, so lot, I, of people, a lot of people didn't realize they was actually saying, Chris Warren was saying, you know, X, um, make some noise instead of X-Pac. But uh, I wonder, like, why the hell did he say that? I was like, oh, yeah, it's Survivor Series. It's, it's a Thanksgiving pay-per-view. Duh. To ruin the moment. That's why he said it. That, anyway, that, that aside, what are your thoughts on, on the actual funeral dirge itself? Well, like you said, this is the most bare-bones version of this theme that he's used. It's really just an organ and a string section. Mm-hmm. But it just fit that incarnation of The Undertaker so well. Because this is really the most bare-bones version of The Undertaker. So how fitting that he comes in and the theme starts out as it does. And then we'll see, we'll track the progression of more layers keep getting added. More layers of organs, more layers of strings, different things coming in. Sound, eff- sound, yeah. Yeah, sound effects. Sound effects. Even the bell. We're going to talk about the evolution of the bell and how that sound kind of gets shaped into the iconic. And you can just see and you can look at, you know, just take snapshots of The Undertaker from, you know, from year to year and see as more elements get added and more the, the character develops and he develops as a performer and... It's all there in the music. It it develops right with him. So that's what that's what I think makes this such an interesting theme history to go back and reflect on. And look where it all started. It started with just really where it all started was Jim Johnston's original piano demo. Yeah. Which was also included on Undertaker from the Vault. Very bare bones. It's just a piano, literally, but still very beautiful in terms of the composition. Um, uh, the organ demo is just that, that, of course. It's just an organ. But yeah, that's just it. It's just the funeral dirge. Uh, it wouldn't be until January 1991 when he used got a, a second theme the Funeral March, which he held from January 91 to January 22nd, uh, 1994.
And I see, like you mentioned, Chris, little things, bit by bit, coming in, little alterations. We get the first instance of the bell. Loud, up front, that is the calling card for the Undertaker. It's so, uh, such an icon. I still get chills to this day when that bell rings. Also, about the funeral march, what I love, the organ slowly fading in to the funeral dirge from the bell. That's, that's money right there, man. I, that is gold. I love that. It's a cleaner sound than what we have at the funeral, funeral dirge. Uh, it's still in the predominantly organ stages of the theme. A little bit of brass mixed in there. But uh, one more thing to note here from me. You get this... I don't know if you noticed this, Chris. There's like a, If you listen closely, there's like a, a, consi- a consistent drum beat in the background. Like that boom. Boom. To me, it's like the Undertaker is slowly walking towards you which I love so much. Just just such character work within the theme itself. I love that little slow stomp too. And it's really eerie, especially when you hear like a low res version of it, you know, with that early bell, the really, really in the early stages of the sound design of the bell. And you have that kind of stomp Mm -hmm. and it's just, yeah, it sounds like he's coming for you. And, And this, I would say this is probably just as iconic as Funeral Dirge because he used this one he used this one for quite some time. You know, we're talking 91 to 94. This was the one. So this is a fun, it's a fun progression to see, even from the first to the second variation, what has already been added. And that will continue into the third theme, which he used after returning from about uh, an eight-month break. Uh, Yokozuna put him in the casket. Uh, we came back at SummerSlam 94 to take on Ted DiBiase's Under Faker, a theme called Grim Reaper. Now notice, Chris. This is a deeper. This is a deeper, a different bell, deeper in pitch. There, an altered arrangement to the funeral dirge. Uh, you get cymbals rolling in, a bit more prominent strings. So, what's it been like? Four or five years. He's already had three different variations on his theme, which is more than a lot. Got more than a lot of guys get. As we see here, slowly coming together, more and more things. We've got the cymbals. We've got the strings. He wouldn't have this theme for that long. A little bit over a year or so but it's still a, a pretty pretty interesting variation on it. It's kind of that in-between, because the next one that we're about to hit on is, I, I think, a big a big one in terms of being like an iconic one that people look back on. But yeah, this is the first one in terms of the continued evolution. This is the first one that has that, that second section that comes in. That... This is the, the one that introduces that. You know, that section in the first two, if you go back and listen, it's a little bit different. This theme continued to evolve as the character continued to evolve in all the right subtle ways. Theme number four, as you said, one of the more iconic Undertaker themes, one he had for quite a little bit, about three years, three years or so. Uh, Graveyard Symphony, uh, which can be found on WWF Full Metal, the album.
got, you know, here comes the rain, here comes the thunder, here comes the choir. This is the fucking theme, man. This is all coming together. It's just this feeling of completeness. It's it's all coming together to form this this epic masterpiece. And I think Undertaker, he comes off so much better because of this, because of the fullness of the theme. The funeral dirge, the bare bones of it worked for the Undertaker when he was starting out. Here, when he's, you know, half, you know, half a decade in now, this works for him. We know the Undertaker. We're used to the, under- to the Undertaker. We, we, we get this full picture of what the Undertaker is. When I think of classic Undertaker theme, this is the one that immediately comes to my mind, probably because I listened to Full Metal, the album, so much as a kid. My cousin Matt had Full Metal on CD, and I dubbed it onto a cassette to listen to, along with Volume 2 and Volume 3. And I just remember just wearing those cassettes out. So this is one of the themes that is just imprinted in my mind and it starts out with the bell this is where the bell when you hear the undertaker's bell in your head this is the one this is the one that you that it starts out with in full form really to me the alternate version the second version is where we're getting into full-on undertaker theme perfection here because you have you know some claps of thunder You have that eerie choral line in the background of the intro. How great is that, man? I love choirs, by the way, in Undertaker themes, man. That, to me, is like the best part of it to me. The more choirs, the better, really. The more choirs, the better. I mean, they could have had a choir in Roland, and I, I think we'd, I think we'd <laughs> bump that song up a, a star or two just based on that. Yeah. Version two of Graveyard Symphony, to me, this is where it's like, boom, this is it. Five stars. If you're gonna throw a rating on it, you got to go five stars because it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, you mentioned this is version two. Version three is just thunder. That's all it is. It just thunder sounds over, like you know. It's just doom and gloom up to the max. Um, so as we wrap up this little cluster here, cluster one of the Undertaker's career, you know how many times, Chris, have we seen the funeral dirge be used in like, like a comical way, in like a movie or a TV show, where it's like a funeral scene. You know, sometimes someone's die. You know, da 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 da. How many times have we seen that? You know, be used in a funny way, and I think it says a lot about both Jim Johnston's production work and the Undertaker himself. To make that song, that funeral dirge, that little riff there, to make it feel scary and to make it feel important again. You know, when Undertaker comes out to that theme, no one's laughing. No one's having a good time. People are in awe of him. People are struck by the presence of the Undertaker because of that theme. This song doesn't work without this man, but this man also doesn't work without this song. This character does not work without this song. Why does Michael Myers work so well? Because you had frightening music in the Halloween movies and great music and iconic music to attach to a very recognizable character and image. And the same goes for The Undertaker. I mean, you take this away, if it, listen, if The Undertaker debuted to Southern Rock oh, God, as so- as The Undertaker, he's dead in the water. Or, or even anything, anything of lesser quality. I think it was a stroke of genius for Jim Johnston here to 
based the theme on Chopin's funeral march because he took it, not only gave it a new relevance, but he also stamped the Undertaker's brand and logo right onto it. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's part of what makes him iconic. I think it makes the song more iconic. It elevates the song and the song elevated the guy. So this is one of those situations where it's working in both ways. Well, that takes us now to Cluster 2, the Lord of Darkness era. As we get into the Attitude Era, you know, 98, 99, Undertaker becomes a much darker figure than he's ever been before. Take away the Graveyard Symphony, Funeral March, Funeral Dirge, all that goes away. Basically saying, this is not your older brother's Undertaker. This is a new, darker Undertaker. And we get that with the introduction of this next theme, Dark Side. Holy Jesus, is this a turn? This is such an overlooked period of Undertaker themes. I think if you're really a diehard fan and you were really watching back then and you were really paying attention to these elements, you know just how many versions yeah. of Darkseid <laughs> exist. But I think for the casual person, they, they might only really know that there's one. But I mean, right out of the gate, starting from Fully Loaded 1998, I mean, this was an ever-evolving, ever-changing theme. He used some version of this theme until around the time that the Ministry of Darkness was formed. And it really doesn't seem like that long of a span of time. It's really only half of a year. But my God, was Jim Johnston constantly tinkering with this theme. Yeah. So, I mean, you start off, you start off with Fully Loaded 1998. And this is, this is the song here that changed everything. know what the reaction was at the time you know because it's such a radical shift from from what you had just been experiencing with graveyard symphony such a radical shift so i don't know what the reaction was like at the time but my god does this come out swinging like this comes out like a bat out of hell the only thing that i'm gonna say for i guess what you would call the og version the fully loaded 1998 is uh it has these jingle bells on it which any, anytime there's jingle bells on a theme i get i get like a, a personal enjoyment out of that like uh the original version of you know the patriots theme which was which would later evolve into kurt angle's theme yeah patriots version has some jingle bells on it so it sounds like christmas kurt angle <laughs> this sounds like this sounds like christmas undertaker and i always get a personal enjoyment out of that being uh, i guess about the main version the one everyone knows the, vo- the volume three mix what's great about this is that you have these newer elements in it. You know, 
the warble sound. I don't know what that is, but it's crazy to think about the choir kicking in. Uh, the evil guitar riffs, you know, and the strings. And yet, and yet, you still have the bell. You still have this section of Dark Side where it goes dun 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 to me that sounds such so similar to the graveyard symphony you still have these links to the past you still have these bridges to the older themes but you've taken it and twisted it with these new infusions with this new evilness to it you know everything is evil Screw you, Watanabe. Whoa. Undertaker's theme. Everything is evil. Well, that was uncalled for. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> before, before, before him, Undertaker, everything was evil. You're about to catch an STO, my friend. I'm going to catch an evil from evil, man. So the volume three version to me is my favorite Undertaker theme of all time. Listen to it nonstop, as I said. I know it. I, I know it inside and out. What makes it to me is that this just has everything I want in music. It sounds evil, has a nasty guitar riff with a nasty guitar tone. It has all these layers of great strings and horns and choirs and chanting. It's just fucking tremendous. And his entrance at this time, he'd just he'd just fucking walk out and he'd have this pyro that would just fucking shoot out as he was walking down the ramp. And that's my favorite Undertaker entrance. To be able to experience that live is something that I, I wish I would have had the, the chance to do. But the, the volume three version, to me, is another masterpiece right up there with Graveyard Symphony. If I was throwing stars on this, it'd get the full five for me as well. Because to me, my own personal taste, it doesn't get any better than this. I'd love to know uh, Jim Johnston's thought process about all these different variations. What was he thinking about tinkering with this thing? What was he thinking about with, oh, you know, let me let me start with the choir and the warble without the guitar. Or let me start it with sludge. Let's have sludgier guitars. Let's have, you know, a different choir. Let's have the choir go, ha, 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 all throughout. You know, what was he thinking with all this kind of stuff? I'm just so curious about that. Because like you said, when you get that, that sweet spot, when you get that, that theme, I wouldn't even touch it. I would just let it go forever as long as you take it as long as you can. But I guess, you know, Jim Johnson, he's the kind of guy who loves to tinker with things, loves to constantly come up with new variations of things as evidenced by all these different variations of Dark Side. He absolutely does. And that to me is where I've always felt that Jim Johnson has the fucking coolest job of all time. Because to me, just as a young kid growing up really into music and eventually, you know, getting into music making myself like there is nothing that i would love more than to fucking clock in in the morning and see what's on the docket and it's oh i'm gonna fiddle around with the intro the undertaker's new theme <laughs> like that's so fucking cool to be able to be working on something you know one day and then a few days later the undertaker's walking out to it on pay-per-view as a musician, sometimes you can make something and nobody ever hears it or it gets held up for months and months or even years because of label politics and things. He has an instant outlet. Jim Johnston was like the original SoundCloud user. He could just put his stuff right out there and all these people can hear it. That's so cool to me. I'm very fascinated with his creative process and 
I would really, if I could sit down with one person involved in wrestling, it'd be Jim Johnson, just for that simple fact. But yeah, like you said, just playing around with the guitar tones, playing around with the lead guitar elements, that bitchin' guitar intro. He hits this one note on the intro, and and, and the, the first time this ever comes in, this is, this is a game changer. It goes... And that's one of the most evil notes, like Tony Iommi aside, one of the most evil notes I've ever heard anyone just slide into on a guitar. It, it's just so great. And he introduced all these different elements throughout the different versions. Some of the elements that are more in line with Kane's theme at the time. I noticed that as well, yes. Yeah, you, you heard that some different- The version one theme, the bridge is very reminiscent of Kane's theme. Absolutely, and it has, it has like a little kind of like hip hop break beat. I can't wait to talk about Kane's themes as well because I'm just oh, a, I'm yeah. just as fascinated about about those and, and just all the elements that go into especially the earlier Kane themes. But he was he was experimenting like this with the Undertaker as well, which and he he really didn't have to at this point either because it was such a tried and true scenario that he had going on. You know, he comes out to some version of the funeral march and that's that and that's money and he could have done that until the end of time and people would have loved it still to this day. I think. I don't think anyone would get tired of that, but he switched it up, and The Undertaker, at the same time, switched his act up. I, I really appreciate just how much experimentation was going on during this uh, this late 98, early 99 version of Taker. <laughs> I mean, his character at times was questionable, especially when you start getting into some of the ministry stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the music was always top-notch always top-notch and that's why this is my favorite favorite era of undertaker themes we may be iffy about you know slitting his wrists on national television and giving it to midian to drink or you know kidnapping stephanie man but a plus dark side a plus we love you baby uh, let's mention chris before we get to the next main one uh there was a, something in the uh, undertaker from the vault album that caught our attention the 1999 bell beat guitar sketch care what era this is this does not suit the undertaker thank god it's only a sketch because if this made it to, to, to air i don't know what i'd do the first thing i want to say is jim johnston names his his sketches and demos the exact same way that i do bell beat guitar sketch is to me one of the most relatable things i've ever seen in my life musically speaking so uh, i mean that's just really cool now this to me is a is a demo idea obviously but presumably for the time period in between dark side and ministry where i guess taker was going through a shift and they needed some new music and jim johnson's just riffing around and he has this cool kind of vader-esque guitar tone going on very 1996 1997 johnston sound going on so i'm i'm really not sure how this is coming in in 1999 very very interesting to me this is really cool and i love this song and i was kind of jamming out to it throughout the week but yeah there's no way that this would have fit ticker at the time the only thing that i could possibly see is if Austin and Undertaker formed like a long-term tag team, then maybe this is something that they could have come out to because this is kind of like the melding of different elements that make up their themes. So we had this new Undertaker, this darker Undertaker, 
we thought Darkseid was as dark as, as it was going to get. But oh no, no. Undertaker proved us wrong yet again. We got theme number six in Undertaker's WWE theme history here. Ministry. Chris, I think it's safe to say shit takes a turn. We get the dark side. It's the same basic structure as the dark side, the same musical components. But now we got thunder. We get rain. We get demonic fucking chanting. It's these little giblets that are thrown in there to say, hey guys, you thought I was evil before? Guess what, fuckers? I'm really evil now. Chris, if I may. I copied over the lyrics, short as they may be, to Undertaker's little chant here. Uh, so if you'll uh, allow me to do this. Anau Nathrak, Dochel Demna. Anau Nathrak, Tierra Nathrak. Now, for those of you who do not know, uh, that isn't actually demonic chanting. That is actually Gaelic. And it is the charm of making from the movie Excalibur. So translated, it is Ananathrak Dochel Demna, Serpent's Breath, Thy Omen of Making. Ananathrak Tiedanathrak, Serpent's Breath, Serpent's Land. Evil! Evil, evil man! The Gaelic community. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I just had to. Oh, that's fucking great, man. (laughs) Now, there's an extended version of the Anal Nathrak dialogue, which popped up on the debut version of this song, the very first version, his WrestleMania 15 version. Accept the Lord of Darkness as your savior. Allow the purity of evil to guide you. Jesus Christ on a bike. Can this guy be any more into this shit (laughs) than he is at this point? I mean, I want to see these VO sessions. I really do. I want to see footage because this is absolutely terrifying. And Big Jimmy, is that what we're going to call? Can we call him Big Jimmy? If you want, yeah. There's little Jimmy, but we'll call him Big Jimmy. Then. See, that's what I was thinking about. And, and, we'll and differentiate between the and two. And don't get me off on an R-Truth tangent, because believe me. All right, I won't. All right, believe believe stop you now. me. Stop now. Let's get back to the Big show. Jimmy, he, he definitely allowed the purity of evil to guide him through the making of this theme. Now, we mentioned the WrestleMania 15 version. The Volume 4 version, uh, WWF The Music Volume 4, which came out in November 1999. I remember specifically... The day I bought this album, and that's a story to tell when we do an album review for Volume 4. Uh, the Volume 4 version, as you said, is really just a more revamped, more evil version of, of the main Dark Side theme, but has this sick guitar tone, this great rhythm guitar tone, but the riff, whereas on Dark Side, it was, it was a little bit more, you know, a little bit more rigid. This riff has a little bit more of a swing to it. And it makes a lot of difference to me. And, I mean, I'm not sure... 
if I would really equate swing to more evil, but it somehow works in this case, which is interesting to me. There is another version of this song, which is affectionately referred to as the literally Satan version. And it is basically just the volume four version of ministry slowed down and holy fucking shit. A rule of thumb for wrestling themes, wrestling heel themes, the slower it is, the more evil and heel it is. So keep that in mind, folks. My God, you bring this song down a couple semitones and suddenly it's the heaviest song I've ever heard in my life. Like, you can, Meshuggah, you can throw on any Meshuggah song and then throw on the literally Satan version of Ministry and I'm sorry, it, it, it'll beat out Meshuggah every time. And, the, and, and Jim Johnson, he's not even in, like, drop G, you know? He doesn't even need to go down to drop G to just, to just conjure up the evilness, the, the purity of evil guiding him. It's, it's incredible! I, 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 Diabolical, even. This is just some shit. And when you see him coming out to this at the time, maybe some people think it went too far in a different direction. Maybe got away from a little bit of the heart of The Undertaker. You know, maybe doing some kind of wacky things with Dennis Knight that I certainly, looking back, don't think were uh, not really appropriate for uh, very, very for appropriate. It, it made interesting television. That's that's for certain. You know, sacrificing people here and there. You know, slitting wrists, kidnapping Mabel at the Rumble, and Kid- yeah. putting him in a van. You know. But my God, yeah, my my God, indeed. Allow me, Chris, to introduce our next theme by saying this. Oh. It's me, Austin. It was me all along. That's right, folks. Theme number seven, the corporate ministry. Now, this is, let's note here, this isn't actually like a true merging, a, a true mashup of ministry and no chance in hell. But I gotta say, as a corporate ministry theme, it works quite well. It's just, it's it's no chance in hell, which is in itself a pretty evil song considering. But you put in the organ, you put in the strings, you put in the, the hushed little whispers at the beginning. Chance, chance. This thing takes up a notch to real, this is like corporate evil to the max here. Corporate ministry theme. To me, it's it's so fucking good. It's so it's just so much fun. That's what it is. It's just so much fun to think of this evil, satanic, mystical, spiritual entity, the Ministry of Darkness, merging with the corporation. Corporate the corporation <laughs> merging with Vince and Shane and Triple H. Like, what do these guys talk about in their meetings? What are these two guys talking about backstage? Like the Undertaker so, uh, having meetings in itself. Yeah, <laughs> the Undertaker doing PowerPoints like he's fucking super Sasadango machine. Uh, to yeah. me, even just saying the corporate ministry—it's <laughs> good, so great. It just, it just makes me laugh. 
And this is a time period where I look back on just be like, what the fuck is happening here? But I also remember being really awesome. And from the period of time between April and August 1999, I mean, this pretty much ruled this song. And like you said, it starts with all the elements of No Chance. And it follows the same song structure as No Chance for the most part. And it's really, there's not a whole lot to this song that's that different from No Chance. Obviously, you take out the funky bass line, you take out the funky guitars, you have some basic rhythm guitars and kind of a breakbeat situation going on. I have no idea what you would call this genre of music. I'm a pretty eclectic person. This is one of those what the fuck Big Jimmy genres where he's taken metal and trip hop and hip hop and orchestral and classical and he's just putting it in the good old Montel Williams food emulsifier. He's cranking it up to 11 and just the the layers of strings and organs on the chorus and this the second chorus even more dramatic strings it's a hell of a song and it's not even the, the version that was released on the wwe anthology in uh, 2002 that's not even my favorite version of the song just basically a pitched down slower version this one always sounded a little bit goofy yeah the first one i think is uh, in terms of those two i think it's far superior the first one i mean just when it gets to that like that that chorus that dun dun no chance in it i mean it's just great the slower version i'm not really much of a fan of um but like we said chris uh there's a third version here and now we're talking now we're talking you better change your strategy yeah oh damn you beat me to it i'm sorry here comes <laughs> folks shane mcmahon getting into the booth we got thunder, we got spooky strings, we got Shane McMahon laughing and talking over the goddamn theme. I'm happy tears, Chris. These are happy tears. It's it's so beautiful. It's a more rock version of the corporate ministry theme. The, the spooky symphonies downplay a little bit, but I'll take that with the you know Shimmy Man, you know, laughing into it. You know, ha 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 ha, yeah. You know, he even says a, a line here with the corporate ministry. The message is simple: you've got no chance in hell. But but he says it with like a Randy Orton esque delivery. much to love here everything you mentioned and the intro to me is where this one seals the deal is my favorite version because the intro is tremendous here you got the evil strings you got like all hell breaks loose and people are laughing people are dying you got thunder you got whispering you got all sorts of crap going on it's just it's it's insane this is and i think this is the version that was on uh the video game at the time wrestlemania 2000 but yeah, this to me is the fully realized version of the corporate ministry theme. Well, all good things come to an end, Chris. The corporate ministry did not last forever. Damn! August 1999, we get another Undertaker 
Attitude Era, another Lord of Darkness theme. The final theme that we're talking about with this little cluster here, the Unholy Alliance. This might be where we part ways, Chris. This is where the podcast ends, folks. This is where the breaking point uh, again happens. I did not like this theme when I heard it, man. But first of all, the intro is like the intro to like a, a, a mad scientist lair being revealed, like a, a spooky castle in the background on, on a cliff. And then it goes into like the main riff. What is that riff? Combine that with the organ. To me, it sounds like twisted carnival music. And I don't want The Undertaker to come out to twisted carnival music, man. I don't like it. And uh, to me, the, the, this era of The Undertaker, this you know, this this few months period, this was a low point for me in terms of The Undertaker because this is not his best work. This was, you know, this is the, the same era where he came out with Undertaker and Big Show at his side and Paul Bear. He gave that speech. Remember that, that famous promo? How could I forget? Basically, I told Brother Paul to get two bucks. But in one of those bikes, I want there to be enough gas to get halfway through the desert. Chris Jericho in his book called it the most boring promo ever. And he's right. It's boring. And it, the theme song is not much better. It's just, I'm not a fan of the Unholy Alliance theme, man. I'm not a fan of it in you general. You know, your Undertaker there sounded a lot like Dusty Rose, I just got to say. I'm not a great impressionist, Chris. I'm just going to say Let me tell you something, baby. We couldn't be more further apart on the theme here. <laughs> I, I love, uh, first of all, you, t- you talk about that intro. Let's, uh, let's, let's try to face the facts here. This is a tremendous intro. I mean, especially when you have the Thunder version, the version with all the thunder on it. My God. This was a garbage tag team. This was only, this was used for literally a month. But uh, to me, such evil and delicious riffage going on. A great guitar tone. You got strings and organs, which for me, you know, strings and organs are like accidental blood for Joe Lanza. The strings and organs for me, you throw some strings and organs into a theme, and I probably love the shit out of it. Up a star. Up a star automatically, yeah. It's just, this is a massive song. A massive song. And so for for everything that you dislike about it, I think it's great. Uh, You know, maybe... Maybe because I just don't take the Unholy Alliance all that seriously. So it's like, oh, well, who gives a fuck? You know, they could come out to fucking happy birthday but this is not happy birthday i love this song and i love the thunder version even more because it has thunder that's another like accidental blood you put thunder in a theme song my god it just it elevates it to a whole new level for me a little fun fact here before we move on Uh from this from this divisive era and you, you folks can let us know let us know who's right here all right let us know on the twitter at music of the map before we move on a little trivia this theme it probably inspired Sting's WWE theme. Maybe, maybe Big Jimmy's uh, going back to the well with this one. I think we can agree that at the end of this this Lord of Darkness run, he needed a changeup. I think. I think things are he's kind of running out of steam here in terms of both uh, in the ring. And maybe a bit uh, thematically as well, which is why as we get into cluster three, we're going to my territory, Chris. We're going to American Badass, 
big evil dead man ink booger red era undertaker we're doing with biker taker guys kicking things off with a big one american badass by kid rock down to sleep, lay me down. I pray my soul is mine to keep my soul and never step outside this bed. Never into all the evil. Now back from the dead. Are you scared? I mentioned earlier the little links to the past between Dark Side and the Graveyard Symphony. I lo- what I loved here is you've got this uh, links in this theme as well. You've got the creepy children at the start, uh, which you know delves back into you know, the, the undead Undertaker. Very effective. Absolutely uh, terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Crazy. He's here. Oh, chills, man. That, that he's here. That gives me goosebumps to this day. Because after you have this sort of like uh, this echo of the past, this sort of dark, you know, undead Phenom Undertaker little children thing, we get a little speed metal, thrash metal transition right into American Badass. And folks, no offense to Mr. Rock there, but American Badass, not a good song, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a... (laughs) What? Listen, man. I, I I get it that it, it's it's a new Undertaker. It's a, it's a, it's a passing of the torch from the Phenom to the bike. It's got sad but true as like a little sample. Oh yes, Metallica's sad but true. Top, it's great song, but in terms of like the whole uh, American Badass, it's uh, I can't. I, it's so Kid Rock. <laughs> it's so it's so kid. It's so 2000, man. It is. And uh, listen. Kid Rock is a particularly uncouth individual. I mean, let's be clear. Yeah. But this song to me is a guilty pleasure, mostly because of that that intro, that intro, as we mentioned. It's a saving grace. I do love that. I do love that little thrash transition section there, and I love the fact that this sample's sad but true. Now, this was his return theme at Judgment Day 2000, which marked a a big character shift. Although he was kind of leaning in towards the American badass style character right at the end there you know his last appearance he kind of was almost dressed like the american badass at that point so it wasn't it was a little bit more of a you know he was kind of sliding in to this character all along but the fact that he had been away and this was his big return theme and this this was such a a market shift from his previous themes before i mean a lot of people didn't like it at the time a lot of people still don't like it i on the other hand I do enjoy American Badass era Taker. Kid Rock aside, which, I mean, that's a big that's a big aside because I think Kid Rock should be, you know, I think he should be shipped off the planet with, you know, the members of Smash Mouth and Flo Rida and the next band that we're going to be talking about as well. Just be shipped off the planet and never heard from again. Uh, let's be clear about that. 
but I think this totally fit the version of The Undertaker that returned. Whether or not I actually love the version of The Undertaker that actually returned is, uh, is another story. But in terms of a theme that fits a guy, at this point, I mean, I don't think you can make any argument that, uh, to me, this was the most fitting of the American Badass era themes. Mm-hmm. You want, do, do you want to do a little bit of a lyrical breakdown here? Let's 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 spend a couple minutes at least talking about the lyrics. Let me let me boot these up, bad boys up here. I uh, I got the lyrics up right now, so let me let me start it off with yeah with a couple little little choice selections here. I like ACDC and ZZ Top, Bocephus, Beasties, and the Kings of Rock, Skinnerd, Seeger, Limp, Corn, the Stones, David Allen Co, and No Show Jones. Yeah. To which I say, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Why are you listing off your last .fm playlist in this song? What, is, what are you doing here? I don't care. I didn't ask. What is this guy talking about? From, uh, from the same verse, I got to mention this. The underground stoned fucking pimp with tracks that Mac and slap back the whack. Never gay, no way. I don't play with ass, but watch me rock with Liberace Flash. Fuck this guy. I mean, fuck this guy. And the Nobel and the Nobel Prize for literature goes to. I mean, Kid Rock. I, what the fuck, man? I mean, I understand. Like, this is his audience. That his audience is kind of a certain way. I think, but that's kind of a little, 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 little too much. Kid Rock, there. All right, little, little too heavy there on the uh, I, I on the old, think- on the old uh, gay panic. I think any amount of Kid Rock is too much Kid Rock. Listen, uh, I'm an American badass. Watch me kick. You can roll with rock or you can suck my dick. Like, <laughs> and you know the guy sitting there with his little notepad. Yeah, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah baby. He, the thing about Kid Rock, he thinks that he's the coolest person of all time. And he thinks that people care what he listens to. And he thinks that people care about his beaver hats and ben davis slacks whatever the fuck that is i just i can't stress enough how much i hate this man too much time chris on kid rock when we could be spending a lot more time on our next band and our next theme in late 2000 uh december 2000 i believe undertaker gets rollin by limp biscuit Much like fuck, yeah, I know, Chris, I know. Much like I think, if we could say anything positive about this song, uh, it's this. It's it's the intro. Um, the bell, the bell tolls. The footsteps approach. Dead man walking. I think that's actually pretty cool. I like that intro. Uh, it's everything that comes afterwards that uh, that sucks. I mean, look. Do I have it in my iTunes? Yes. Do I listen to it from time to time? Not really, but once in a while, maybe if I'm you know, bored or something. But 
You you absolutely listen to this. You got you got the red Fred Durst backwards baseball hat. Yep. You got the baggy t-shirt, the baggy G. I listen. You're not fooling me. All right, the jig is up, maybe. But look, uh, what, what can we say really? Except rolling. Get 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 it, Chris. He's, he's, on, he's on the bike. You understand the connection there? Oh, Roll, rolling. Listen, listen. I get it. I get it. The motorcycle. I get it. I just. I hate this as an Undertaker theme. I think this might be a hot take. We might be very different because I know some people mentioned that they really like this. I just don't think this, as a song, I don't think this fits the Undertaker anywhere near the way American Badass did. He was using this from about December 2000 all the way up until May of 2002. I just have to say that is way too long for him to have been using this. I mean, he only really used American Badass from May 2000 to December 2000, and he was using this one for he used this one for years. Longer than Dark Side, definitely. I mean, all those variations, all those var- yeah, all those a, variations. It was only like what, like uh, six to eight months for Dark Side. All that work that Jim Johnston, that big Jim Johnston, put in in the studio, countless hours, countless days, tweaking that intro, tweaking the guitar tones, and here comes Fred Durst with his stupid hat. And his stupid band. Now, mind you, I think Wes Borland is a pretty badass guitarist. And I do like a lot of the production of, of like, early Limp Biscuit, like, significant other Limp Biscuit. But this right here, I am not loving this shit right here. L-I-M-P. Biscuit, Biscuit is, is right, right here. here. People in the house, put them hands in the air. Because if you don't care, then we don't care. One, two, three, times two to the sixth. Jones in for your fix of that Limp Biscuit mix. So where the fuck you at, punk? Shut the fuck up and back the fuck up. Well, we fuck this track up. Well, they got that right. They still, it's only fuck that track up. <laughs> oh, there's no question. And, and you know, I hope I, I I don't have the CD or the liner notes up for this, but I really hope Scott Steiner got a writing credit for that. <laughs> let's let's do ourselves and our listeners a favor by moving on to our next. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait oh, a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. We can't. We we cannot move on without touching on the fact that the undertaker at for an extended period of time was walking out to a song it was rolling out to a song that contained the lyrics hot mamas pimp daddies and the people rolling up in caddies i think Uh, we can leave it at that i I closed the link too and you had to remind me of oh god i was i wasn't gonna let you forget i'm sorry that's what that's that's what we're here for mercifully he didn't have limp biscuit forever because in may of 2002 he transitioned to a Jim Johnston uh, composition, his first Jim Johnston piece for this uh, American badass character, uh, a song called Dead Man. Chris, there are two versions of this. Version one, I noted, um, uh, the song in general, it's the return of the China White drum beat. It is. I don't know if you, I, I, I recognize that right away. Very easy to spot. And it's also an instrumental version of a later version of this, You're Gonna Pay. To me, honestly, I don't like this. I like the lyrics version. And it's not only an exciting theme for Undertaker, it's kind of generic. Especially that first version there, especially that early version. And I remember the very first time he used this theme. I remember it. And this is the one that has like the lighter, kind of cleaner rhythm guitars than the anthology version does. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, it's just a generic hard rock instrumental. So The Undertaker fucking comes out to this. And I'm just like, what the hell? This sounds like The Undertaker's like rolling through Guitar Center and people are just jamming on random ACDC-esque riffs. Like, 
so this early version here, very bare bones, and would be expanded upon in the version that was released on the anthology. And this is where the drums are a bit slowed down, so you have these horrible time-stretching artifacts. I don't know if you know the average person could really pick up on that, but if you just if you listen to those drums and compare them to even "You're Gonna Pay," which is also on the anthology, you hear they're slower, and you hear that you just hear the time-stretching artifacts in there. At the time, time-stretching technology is not what it is now, which is pretty incredible. Now, you still do get some artifacts, but. It does add a little bit to the slower pace. Gets a little heavier, you know, uh, heavier rhythm guitar tone as well. And there's a big, big old lead guitar throughout this entire thing, a big solo. Yeah, big guitar solos. A little more interesting than yeah. the earlier version, but still pretty pretty uninspired, I think we would I think we would agree. What does not suck though is our next theme. Do ch do ch do dead man walking. You've done, done it now. now. You've gone and, and made a big mistake. mistake. You're gonna pay by <laughs> Jim Johnston. Dead man walking. You've done it now. You've gone and made a big mistake. And I can't allow you to think you can just walk away. So turn Listen, man, people rag on this one for being corny. And look, I'll, I'll wholeheartedly admit, this shit is corny as a motherfucker. But goddammit, this is my first Undertaker theme I was introduced to. This era is my first Undertaker. I love it, man. I can't go against it. Uh, when you've got lyrics like, badass is always kicking assholes ass. Well, what more do you want, Chris? What more do you want? Uh, a, a cheap shot. <laughs> A cheap shot. That's the way that you play the game, you no good son of a bitch. I was blindsided. Things will never, ever be the same. Nice, nice guys. It said they oh always God. finish last, but badasses <laughs> always kicking at you. Really gets into that well, verse, though. Well, well. Kick it. <laughs> good Lord. Here's something cool, though. The bell is still there at the beginning. I love that the bell is always present that little tie-in to his origins that little it's just a tiny detail but i love that jim johnston included in there i love that the bell is right there just so you know this is far from the funeral dirge this is far from dark side but he's still the undertaker he's still that guy you've done it now chris you've gone and made a big mistake and and, and i can't allow <laughs> this, this song is so dumb it's it's, it's it's dumb, but it's great. It's so dumb, but it's it's a guilty pleasure, just because yeah. of how goofy it is. I I love the goofy vocals. I love the goofy lyrics. This song is a meme. I mean, you ask anyone, you know, I'm pretty sure they would remember this song fondly, just because of how goofy it is, and it, it really is a meme. I mean, and he used this for like a little over a year. Too short, in my opinion. God, <laughs> this, this should have lasted eight years at you, least, man. Come he'd, on. <laughs> he'd still be using this theme if, if you had your way, right? He'd still be... Uh... If that damn Kane hadn't interfered at Survivor Series 2003 
and and buried Undertaker alive and gave Vince McMahon the win. You know, we still get we still have you're gonna pay, goddammit, but we can't we can't have nice things. We just damn, can't damn have it, nice Kane, things. damn it all. So Chris, that was uh the final of cluster three, the final of the Dead Man Inc. American Badass. Oh thank Big, God. Hey now. Thank God. Okay, most of it kind of sucked, but as I was trying to say, Chris, we're moving on to our final cluster of the episode. Cluster four, the return of the phenom, the modern Undertaker era. This is the shortest list that we have here for Undertaker themes. Uh, we start off with rest in peace. Rest in Peace is the song that is used nowadays. He's used it ever since coming back to WrestleMania 20. Probably used this forever. This is, I think, you know, this is the theme. Uh, you mentioned Graveyard Symphony as being like the iconic Undertaker theme. To me, as oh, as the years have, have gone on, like this is the theme for me, for a Phenom Undertaker specifically. You've got the return of the thunder, the return of the rain, the choir, the slow creeping organ, the cymbals, the, 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 the more prominent bell. It's that full experience of Graveyard Symphony, but it's propelled by the modern-day production of Jim Johnston in 2004. This is the essential version. It's it's marked the return to form. Yeah, it's just an updated version of Graveyard Symphony, and it's the same iconic theme that you would that you know and love. Now, what's interesting is the darkest side released yeah. on Thematic in 2004. Again, another updated take on Graveyard Symphony, mixed in with some elements of Dark Side. I wish that this would almost, a version of this is what he would come out to now, because I think this encapsulates uh, a lot of just greatness in terms of his themes throughout the years. So this is just a little interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people have, have maybe even heard this mix. It's a nice throwback to, a nice nod to those older days. One more theme in terms of Undertaker here, a marked departure actually in terms of production-wise and the bands that they use for Undertaker. Uh, one of my favorite songs that this artist ever did, actually, Ain't No Grave by Johnny Cash. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm on a rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Johnny fucking Cash, coolest motherfucker ever, I think. Whoa, 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 whoa. We already went over this. Oh, I forgot. That's right. Mochizuki. Fuck. All right. Johnny Cash, second coolest motherfucker ever. Okay? Happy? There we go. There, uh, there we, we go. There we go. Uh, Ain't No Grave. It was released on American 6, Ain't No Grave, uh, the last album of the American recording series that he did with Rick Rubin. Uh, it was released a few years after he died. I think this song is so perfect for Undertaker. The content itself, the, the graves... You know, rising from, rising from the dead, the bells, the clinking chains. It's very spiritual. It's very foreboding. It really is a nice summation 
of this version of The Undertaker, this later career of The Undertaker. There ain't no grave that can hold my body down. You know, he's getting up there in his years. He, he's only making a few appearances a year, but he's going to keep coming back for more and more every year. Every WrestleMania, he's coming back. He's one of those guys you can always count on to be there. One of those stalwarts, one of those ten pulls of the WWE. Uh, it's just it's just a cool fucking song, man. I love it. I think this song fit this era of The Undertaker like a glove in a way that American Badass and Rollin' and and you done it now even even in a way that those didn't but not for an entrance theme oh for a video package absolutely okay to me this as an entrance theme felt a little weird i'm not sure if people would agree with that or not i could i could see but, your point. Uh, not that i dislike it not that i dislike it you know it's 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 hey, listen it's not rolling <laughs> that's for sure no it is not I, I think for a video package absolutely for those vignettes absolutely great Fits him like a glove, but just seeing him come out to this was just a, a little bit, a little bit weird for this incarnation of the Undertaker to not be coming out to some form of the funeral march. But that's just that's just my take on that. I think what helps a lot with it too is at this point in recording, Johnny Cash was pretty sick. This was during the the, the last bastion of recordings he did for the American series, and having that withered voice of Johnny Cash, and, 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 and as opposed to like the stronger voice that he had in his younger days. I think it goes along. It goes a long way to sort of project this image of this older Western figure. You know, Chris, that was a very, very, very big chunk of time he's just spent on the Undertaker's themes. But we're not done yet. Oh no, we have one more section to go. These are miscellaneous related songs that are linked to the Undertaker, but not, but are not necessarily his themes. We've got the spirit theme. Now, the spirit theme, a lot of people might not be familiar with, especially if you weren't watching at the time. But this was something that was used in video packages during his uh, feud with Mankind in 1996 and and aired on Raw and uh, on the free-for-all leading up to In Your House 9 in 96. And it contains some dialogue from the Undertaker Goes to Heaven segment from that casket match with Yokozuna. The spirit of the Undertaker lives within the soul of all mankind. The eternal flame of life that cannot be extinguished. The origin of which cannot be explained. And it just transitions into this just frantic string section and has clips of mankind and, and all of this stuff. And if you watch the video... Mankind squealing is haunting in its own right. And then, musically, it transitions into just this badass rock riff with these bells and strings and organs. Everything that you know by this point I love is the Jim Johnston works. has these amazing drums that Johnston was using at the time that I really love. And... And I just want to make mention of this amazing bridge section that is one of my favorite moments in any Jim Johnson production. Incredible, dramatic, you know, cinematic, a great outro. 
and it was kind of like a middle ground between graveyard symphony and dark side in terms of the the shift between the eras and there's a ver- there's one version of this then there's another version that has a huge guitar solo throughout and i just wanted to make mention of this because i thought a lot of people may not have heard this but it's great and i love it and it's some of my favorite undertaker related music moving off of that uh, a related song the spirit of the undertaker by jim johnston the spirit of the Undertaker lives within the soul of all mankind. The eternal flame of life that cannot be extinguished. The origin which cannot be explained. A lot of sound effects. There are two versions. Version one, a lot of sound effects for this one. Uh, then it goes into the spirit of the Undertaker dialogue that you mentioned, that the Undertaker goes to heaven. Uh, more lines here, more dialogue. Pretty pretty standard stuff. To me, version two, which is a stripped down, a stringed version of Graveyard Symphony, basically. So beautiful. I love this piece of music so much. This song, I want to stand out over a field and reminisce about past battles. You know, it's just, it's such Lord of the Rings type music, and like, a, and I mean that in a good way. It's like, like this could work in like a, a movie, man. Such a beautiful piece of work. Very cinematic. Very, very beautiful piece of music. Both of them, really. The volume two version and the instrumental, which was released on Undertaker from the Vault, which, I mean, by this point, you, you guys have probably already bought this on iTunes because it's just a great collection. It has a lot, it covers a lot of ground. And uh, and this is this is one of the gems that I hadn't heard the instrumental. I hadn't heard this version. I was very familiar with the volume two version since I was a kid, and I just thought it was cool the, the little bits of dialogue. And it serves as a nice little transition from the Grim Reaper era to the Graveyard Symphony era if you put it in context at the time. So this is another little cool nugget that we just wanted to throw in there. Something a little bit different now, <laughs> and we do stress the word different. Talking about. A song released on an album called WrestleMania The Album from 1993, produced by Simon Cowell. This is The Man in Black. The Man in Black has got a tombstone just for you. Dance with the Taker. Rest in peace. Powerful entity in the World Wrestling Federation. Slam Jam Death. Listen, I don't know about everyone else here, but when I think of The Undertaker, I think early 90s New Jack Swing R&B. I mean, the two, they're just synonymous. I mean, I don't know why he didn't come out to this. When I think of The Undertaker, I think of the Bat Dance by Prince. Because that's, that's all I can hear when listening to this. It's a groovy storm. It's a funky jam. You got the guitar, you got the keyboard, it's got the drum, you know, it's mashed around with the groove. You've got, you know, audio clips of The Undertaker talking. you got, you know, the background singers. The man in black! The man in black! Uh, the choir game, I should say, is on point. Oh, oh during, the mid- by the, far. during the middle section. The cheesy 90s keyboard choir going on yeah. in this track is, is 
it's it's tremendous. It starts off, yeah. It the song starts with this fiction guitar solo and this <laughs> this fast. I gotta mention this, Chris. Fast-paced walking in the background, which is atypical. Yeah. Atypical of the Undertaker. It's like a secretary walking to like a, a typewriter or something <laughs> like that. You know, got to type the report up real quick. You know, high heels. Maybe, but maybe he had to go to the bathroom. Maybe. But a little, a little foreshadowing with those footsteps too. Yeah, because that would come back. That would definitely that, come back. Come back later. Listen, all in all, this is a funky brew. Maybe it's the greatest thing ever. I don't know, but uh, I just not hard to describe really how incredible and how excited I was when I heard this song for the first time. Had you heard this before I uh before I, I I had never heard this before in my life. Oh god. See I have a I have a long history with this song because I got this, you know, very early on in my wrestling fandom. I got this album. We're definitely doing an episode on WrestleMania the album because it's just fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean there's nothing like it. Now you mentioned Prince earlier. This song and this entire album is inspired so much by Michael Jackson's Dangerous album. And this album came out right at the time where this, where that album was the biggest thing in the world. Dangerous came out in 91, this came out in 93. So there is no question that this was heavily inspired. And we are gonna, I'm gonna dissect that album, go through track by track and do side by side comparisons. Uh, this song in particular, very similar to a track on that album called Why You Wanna Trip On Me with that bitchin' guitar solo, as you said, which there is no other way, by the way, to describe this guitar solo other than bitchin'. This is like, I love this. This is incredible. I was listening to this all day in preparation for this episode because it just got me in, just got me in such a tremendous mood. I love this song. Something that we that we don't love, Chris, is our <laughs> final our final song of the night. Well, we're really really closing it out. We're here. really closing out strong. You're right. I'm ending on a high note here. Hold, hold on, hold uh, on. Release. Hold, where, where the mic at? Where the mic at? Oh Please don't. Fake it live. Please, please. 2000. Oh, 2000. It's me, no. Released on, uh, released on WWF Aggression, March 21st, 2000. It's a song inspired by The Undertaker. And thank fuck he never used this. Was it? Was it inspired by The Undertaker? Because I'm pretty sure this is just, Quote, unquote. I'm pretty sure this is quote, just unquote, Mino talking inspired. about himself. We're talking about Ministry by Mino. What a mic guy. We ain't never gonna stop. We ain't gonna never stop. Let's go. I got both miraculous foes attacking my foes. I'm an inch away from the crown and my faculty knows. I'm in the middle of the pound, the bottom of the brick. Chris, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that someone just served you the juiciest, most succulent, the most moist. I don't know if you eat this or not. The most moist filet mignon of your life. I do not, but I'll imagine. I'll go with it. Okay. Just imagine it. Just ima- imagine like the most delicious meal you can imagine. It just puts right in front of you. Some nice grilled chicken. A nice, nice grilled chicken. Maybe a little, some salad on the side. Oh, yeah. That's that's my meal. There you go. Imagine someone just put that right in front of you. And then it is just dumped a bunch of peanut butter on it. I love peanut butter. Just a bunch of peanut butter right over it. I, and then listen, that'd be dying. tremendous. I love peanut butter. I don't know what you're talking about. On chicken and salad. I, I listen. Two tremendous things. How could they not be tremendous together? Okay. Then they threw up on it. That was that. You still like it then? Because that's what this song is. This song is dark side that someone threw the fuck up on. This is the dark side strings you know, uh, very uh, arrangements. 
under gangster rapping. Now, Chris, I am not a, the biggest gangster rap fan in the world, but even I know that this song fucking blows. Let me, uh, I'm cracking my knuckles here. We're going to get into this. So we don't have a lot of time left. Let's do, let's get it quick. Oh, we got time for Mino. Cause listen, it's 2000. It's Mino. Vacant lot. <laughs> first of all, that's the first thing that I wrote down here. What is this vacant lot? I, I, I thought, was this a reference to, uh, to Farouk's theme after the nation of domination His uh, I told you fake cats, I'm the next man, understand, I'll leave your ass in vacant lots. I mean, which by the way, the greatest lyrics in the history of wrestling lyrics. But uh, I like to think it's a, if it's a reference to that. Now, Mino. Mino was a member of Mace's Harlem World rap group. Believe me, I did not know this offhand. Very familiar with Mace, familiar with Harlem World, mainly because of Big L. Had no idea who the fuck Mino was until I looked him up today and I had aggression when it came out I was one of the first people on the block with aggression thank you very much this song to me was always garbage never liked this song and it's not because of the production this was produced by Dame Grease Dame Grease produced a lot lot of stuff for DMX a lot of great stuff for DMX in particular I wish this was DMX instead on this song because then it would have had a prayer at being good this is not i want to break down some of these lyrics here please let's let's do that i got miraculous flows attacking my foes i'm an inch away from the crown and my faculty knows first of all this is the only song in the history of hip-hop that ever used the word faculty in it all right i think i think he forgot to add please advise at the end of that at the end of that email the rawest of the raw guaranteed to trip when i flip wait a minute is this song about sincara or the undertaker <laughs> because at this point i'm not even sure are we even to believe that these verses here are about the undertaker you mentioned there's scant mention or reference to undertaker i have maybe two the first one is uh with precision i made a decision either bury you alive or on the milk carton missing that's one the second is in the chorus. I'm known as the king, dead man walking, okay? Fear no man, and I live in a coffin. Look me in the eyes, tell me what you see. King of the streets, me know and I be. So he makes it about the Undertaker, and then he makes it about him. Are we to believe in the continuity of this song that Mino is the Undertaker? Is Mino the Undertaker? Holy shit. Have we listen we've uncovered some shit on this podcast already we uncovered the make some noise debacle we've established that jindrak is canon mm -hmm. are we now to believe that mino member of mace's harlem world is in fact punisher dice morgan is in fact mean mark callus is in fact the phenom the undertaker are we to believe this let me ask you a question, Chris. Have you ever seen Mino and The Undertaker in the same place? <laughs> I don't That's think so, goddammit. I don't you know think what? so. And you know what? That'd be impossible because I don't think I've ever seen Mino to begin with. <laughs> or maybe we have all this time. Oh, man. Well, Chris, uh, before we wrap things up, we uh, put out a poll to our listening audience, to our followers on Twitter. But which Undertaker theme they like the most? Which era of themes? Yeah, which era of the Undertaker theme that they like the most? 
Chris, do you want to uh, go through here the results? The options, for those wondering, Graveyard Symphony, Dark Side slash Ministry, American Badass slash Roland, and Dead Man slash You're Gonna Pay. Chris, reveal the results, would you please? Coming in tied for last with 10% each were the American Badass slash Roland era and the Dead Man slash You're Gonna Pay era. I mean, that was predictable. Mm-hmm. That was yep. predictable. Coming in second place at with 30% of the votes, Graveyard Symphony era, which okay. includes everything up to that and including that. Yeah. And winning the poll, obviously, with 50%, the Dark Side slash Ministry era. Our listeners have some pretty good taste, I have to say. Uh, you were right. You were right all along, Chris. Uh, that's that's, that's my favorite era, too. Let's let the people know. We're done with The Undertaker now. Let's let the people know what's coming up next. What is episode three going to be all about? So episode three, I thought we'd do another theme history just to kind of get mm-hmm. get comfortable in the format. But I want to switch it up. Didn't want to make it too WWE-centric. Wanted to kind of bounce around. And in doing that, we came up with AJ Styles as our next episode. So we're going to go through all of his themes from WCW to his long tenure in TNA to New Japan up until current day in WWE. That's the great thing about AJ. He's been to so many places, like you said, TNA, New Japan, Ring of Honor. He's had a couple of themes there. Uh, even during WCW days when he was Air Styles, you know, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. AJ, one of the best wrestlers in the world, bar none, maybe the best wrestler in the world. And he's got quite a theme history himself. It's going to be a lot of fun to dissect that all down. And uh, Chris, that does it, man. This was an absolute blast, I got to say. Had a lot of fun. I think I I think I had the most fun in the prep for the show, to be honest, as as sick as that sound. It was, Because yeah. it, that took like, it took years off my life, you know, Bodies mangled, careers ended in an instant. You've had surgery in your left knee. Uh, I, I, I thought Shane might have been knocked out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I had a ton of fun prepping this. I had a, t- a ton of fun doing it. And I just wanted to quick shout out, thank a couple of YouTube accounts that were really instrumental, no pun intended, in gathering some of the music for this song. So first and foremost, I want to say Attitude Beast 2007, who does fantastic remakes of some of the more rare, harder to find alternate versions of Dark Side. Also, Jambalayer and Ministry for Life on YouTube really helped with the gathering of the themes for this episode. So I want to quick thank you to them. And thank you as always to Rich and Joe for the platform for this wonderful podcast network that we are a part of with other wonderful podcasts mm-hmm. uh, and, and just the warm welcome from everyone else on our sister shows, the warm welcome that they've given us being a part of this network now. We're really super psyched about this. We have a ton of ideas and we can't wait to get everyone else involved. And lastly, on a personal note, I want to thank my pals over at the Last Row podcast for giving us uh, an awesome shout out on one of their recent episodes. Uh, Totally surprised me. Came out of the blue as I was listening to their show. They're a great movie review podcast. In fact, their next episode, which will be up by the time this comes out, is uh, the movie Sidekick kicks starring chuck norris and jonathan brandis mm, i mean yes. that's good that's gonna be a fucking hoot so check them out the last row podcast search for them on itunes great guys really want to thank them for that like you said chris thanks to rich and joe as always for giving us the platform to talk about this great topic of the undertaker talk about music in general and wrestling thank you to the other uh, voices of wrestling podcast uh, for their warm welcome and thank you the listener for listening to this episode of music of the mat just a couple friendly reminders here Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, home to a variety of entertaining and informative podcasts all about wrestling. 
Check them all out at voicesofwrestling.com. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Music of the Mat. Or you can follow us on our personal accounts. I am at Andrew T. Rich. Chris, where are you at? Uh, I'm in the year 2000 with me. No, I am on Twitter at We're Still Soup, W E R E Still Soup. If you'd like to email us, you can do so as well. Uh, music of the Mat at gmail.com. And finally, head on over to the Voices of Wrestling forums. We can get in on the conversation here about this episode or episodes past of the show. That's voicesofwrestling.com slash form. Chris, what did we learn this episode? We learned, unfortunately, that Mark Calloway is not, in fact, The Undertaker. We learned Mm-mm-mm. that it's me, no! Making lots. And he'd be untouchable. 2000. He ain't never gonna stop. <laughs> Here go never stop. Bye bye everyone. Thanks for listening. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican jerk turkey sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.